Now, the wealth protection diva is a successful entrepreneur, business owner, and premier business strategist, president and CEO of Sage International Incorporated, and a national speaker, best-selling author, and motivational teacher of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies, the joys and frustrations of being a business owner. Her insights are motivating. Her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. Ever wonder why some tax returns are eyeballed by the Internal Revenue Service while most are ignored? Short on personnel and funding, the IRS audited only 0.86% of all individual returns in 2014, and the audit rate in 2015 fell to less than 1% as well. So the odds are pretty low that you will be singled out for review. And of course, the only reason filers should worry about an audit is if they're fudging on their taxes. That said, your chances of being audited or otherwise hearing from the IRS escalate depending upon various factors, including your income level, the types of deductions or losses claimed, the business in which you're engaged, and whether you own foreign assets. Math errors may draw IRS inquiry, but they'll rarely lead to a full-blown exam. Although there's no sure way to avoid an IRS audit, I have identified 16 red flags that may increase your chances of unwanted attention from the IRS and why I thought it would be wise to invite Wesley Smith, CPA, founder of AAA Tax Planning LLC, to join me today. So welcome, Wesley. Hello, Sherry. Uh, thanks for having me today. Really looking forward to sharing some key information here. That's what we want to do. And, you know, I get excited when I talk about taxes, not because I like paying them, because I like to make sure I pay only my fair share. But let's start with, again, most people have fear around the IRS and the whole audit procedure. And so what are um, some of those red flags I'm talking about? And, of course, the first one is if you make a lot of money. Well, from the IRS perspective, from an audit perspective, the more money you make, the bigger a target you kind of have on your back. Because most auditors would figure that if you don't make that much, there's not much to be gained by going over your tax returns. But of course, the more money you make, the more factor that becomes. Right. And, and the goal here is not to encourage or discourage people to make money. And if they understand the rest of the other 15 red flags we're going to go through, the goal is to make a lot of money. It's just that you, you now realize that your chance for audit could be greater. That's true. That's yeah. the case here. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the big, uh, the next red flag is failing to report all taxable income. So as a CPA and someone who works with a lot of business owners, I'm sure you have this conversation where they like to put money under the mattress or they take cash from the cash register. What do you have to say about that? Well, the IRS perspective on this is that they have a matching program with the 1099. So if someone reports the income on a 1099 and it doesn't end up showing on your tax return, that right there will be a red flag and they'll want to know what happened to the extra income. Right. But also just people that are out there thinking that they're um, doing good by not reporting all their taxable income, 
And if that shows up in an audit, trust me, there are ways to determine if you're skimming, if you're pocketing cash, right? Right. Once they begin looking at an account, they often will look at the bank statements. And whatever you deposit in your bank statement is considered income unless we can prove that it's something else, such as shareholder funding. So whatever goes into the bank account needs to be accounted for and matched to the tax returns or there will be questions we'll have to answer. <laughs> That's right. All right. Red flag number three is taking higher than average deductions. So I'm, I'm sure, again, the IRS, if they were to look at your uh, income, they want to see that your de- deductions kind of match, right, what your income is. Yes, we need to be careful for what I kind of refer to as red herrings or like an elephant in your tax deductions because if something looks large and out of line, it will often be questioned. And there are ways to deal with that. For example, maybe on the category of advertising, there could be large expenses in there that need to be further broken down. And this will tend to make the red flag be less of an issue. And of course, in deductions, you know, which is really part of the power of of owning your own business and why you have a business is because you have better opportunity to write a lot of business-related expenses. But just like you said, if something is, you know, (laughs) way out of proportion because you're trying to say it's all business-related, then of course, that's going to raise some eyebrows and some questions. That's true, especially in the area of, say, Travel expenses and meals and entertainment, those two are looked at quite frequently. Our fourth red flag is running a small business. And of course, I'm talking about a lot of people that are acting as sole proprietors, right? So they're using their Schedule C. And it is my understanding, having you know spent decades forming companies, that you're more likely to be audited as a sole proprietor because... Truly, the IRS thinks you're the one more likely to cheat. Well, that's true. (laughs) This Schedule C tends to be the default type of organization for people just starting or new in business. And so this becomes a target of the IRS because they want to make sure they're, quite frankly, doing everything correctly and not drawing outside the lines. Ah, all right. The next red flag is taking large charitable deductions. So obviously, you know, we're a a philanthropic society. We want to make sure that we support our causes. And part of that is if you are contributing more than your income, then because you want that write-off, do you see that as as an issue as well? That can be. And mainly it comes into play when... Taxpayers are are itemizing their deductions and looking for this uh, an accelerated rate of charitable contribution. For example, looking to use the market value of the things they contribute. So this is an area that's come under a lot of scrutiny in the last few years with the IRS. Right, because people are donating cars and and all kinds of other things, and they're saying it's worth a lot more than it actually is, right? Right. That has been been the case many times. Okay. 
So another red flag is claiming rental losses. And of course, you know, I work with a lot of real estate investors. We certainly use LLCs, but a lot of people, they hold real estate in their personal name and then they want to claim and which is not unusual today because house value and your mortgage don't match anymore, right? So why is it that the IRS would be scrutinizing those losses then? Many times this area claiming rental losses is looked at in terms of the overall tax picture (laughs) because often you'll find it's the wealthier individuals who have these losses. And so they're not only looking at the losses, but how those losses are offset with other types of gains. And so it's a total picture that is being looked at here. Mm -hmm. So another of our IRS red flags is folks taking alimony deduction. Alimony deduction is a legitimate deduction as long as it it is backed up with a court-ordered alimony payment. But often, uh, ex-spouses get into a situation where one may be paying the other money and they want to deduct it even though it's not legitimately backed up by the courts. Ah, okay. So I get that. So another IRS red flag for audit is writing off a loss for a hobby. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that think if they have a hobby, they're actually running a a small business out of their garage. Is that... (laughs) What's being looked at here is sometimes losses go on year after year, and the IRS will come in and examine the intent of running that business, because to be a legitimate business, it must have an intent to make money. And while they understand for the first year or two there may be some losses, it is expected that the business will eventually gain traction and become profitable. If not, you wonder why that's not coming to fruition. Got it. And of course, the big one, as you mentioned earlier, is deducting your business meals, travel, and entertainment, which I'm sure the IRS for years has looked at what do people call entertainment expenses. Right, exactly. And especially under the area of travel, they'll look at whether you're having a spouse or family member come along with you. And the question will be whether that person is legitimately involved in the business and part of the reason for the travel in the first place, or whether that should be considered personal. So mixing business and personal together on your tax return is what the examiner will be looking for. I just had somebody ask me this question. They said, hey, if I'm out to dinner with my spouse and we're talking, you know, maybe about business. She's not involved in the business. And then, you know, some guy approaches me because he overheard and, and asked me about my business. Does that now convert the entire meal into a business-related expense? So my answer was no. What you should do is grab that person's business card and then later meet them for coffee or a lunch or whatever to truly talk about business. Was that good advice? Yes, I believe that's good advice. You want to make sure that your claims under meals and entertainment are legitimate and backed up by an actual business meeting with a person that you are either planning to do business with or have done business with in the past. 
The other IRS red flag for audit is failing to report a foreign bank account. And of course, years ago, people got away with lots of money offshore, but today that's not quite the case. How is it that they're discovering if people have these foreign bank accounts? Well, you are required on the Schedule B interest income statement at the bottom to answer the questions as to whether you have these these accounts now. And that's partly how they're coming to light. The IRS also has agreements with some foreign countries that are disclosing our citizens who have accounts abroad. So more and more this is coming to light and the penalties on this area can be severe if you're not reporting properly. Another one is, which comes up a lot for people, is that they're claiming 100% business use of a vehicle. Most of us realize that we never, I mean, unless it's truly designated a business vehicle. So (laughs) how do you advise your clients to really make sure that they're tracking what is business and what is personal mileage? Well, there's a big difference between a vehicle that is, say, one of the larger trucks and so forth that's mostly used in the business or a passenger vehicle. Now, it's very difficult to have a passenger vehicle that's never used for personal purposes. So during the year, you're supposed to keep what's called a contemporaneous log. And as you go, as you make your trips, you're supposed to write down odometer readings and keep track of things as you go. It's an as-you-go basis. And so that will determine the business percentage that's deductible and separate out the personal from that expense. Got it. So obviously, if you're claiming 100% business use of a vehicle, the likelihood that that's fact is not. <laughs> right. That is, okay. that is quite often questioned. You bet. <laughs> Another one that uh, catches people in the uh, red flag for audit is when they take an early payout from their IRA or their 401k, and I guess they don't claim it? Oh, yes. Many taxpayers can get caught in this trap because when they withdraw from an IRA or 401k, there is a distribution statement and a form goes into the IRS. So this is a form that's often overlooked. And in the matching program, the IRS will catch that and and send you a notice. It's not that difficult to straighten out, but it is inconvenient when you have to go back and pay additional taxes when you weren't expecting it. Ah, we have a couple of more ways that the IRS is auditing people, and we're calling those our red flags. We'll be right back. This is John Crockett, Managing Librarian of the Sierra View Library. This is Jeff Scott, Director for the Washoe County Library System. This is Debbie Steers, Resources Librarian at Washoe County Library System. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show. The Sherry Hill Show was fantastic. High-level thinkers listen to The Sherry Hill Show. Many times, closing a real estate deal fast is the key to getting the great deal done. At Socotra Capital, we help you get the money fast. This is Dave Washburn, Vice President of Loans and Investments at Socotra Capital. We are a hard money lender for real estate transactions that need to close fast, way before banks or institutional financing can complete the deal. We're ready to talk to you about closing your transaction quickly, and we can get you the money fast. 
Visit www.socotracapitalnevada.com or call 775-420-4990 for a personal appointment. Thank you. Socotra Capital Nevada is located at 298 Kingsbury Grade, Suite 1G, State Line, Nevada, 89449. David Washburn's NMLS agent number 51269, NMLS 331429, MLD 4075, company NMLS number 1142425. Sakutra Capital, Nevada, Incorporated. Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own? Or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? Well, first, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should? like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes. For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put the proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started on the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. Have better ideas faster without the stress and burnout. This is Todd Henry, author of The Accidental Creative in Cincinnati, Ohio. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is the wealth protection diva. Thank you, Sherry. Welcome back, and thank you for tuning in to The Sherry Hill Show. Enlightening conversation with Wesley Smith, CPA and founder of AAA Tax Planning, LLC, right here in Reno, Nevada. And we've been talking about audits and all those red flags that the IRS throws up. And so as we're moving into this tax season, and it's not our favorite word, IRS, I'll say it, I'll be the first to say it. And so we've been going over the 16 red flags that tend to draw the IRS to you. But I do know that one of the IRS red flags is those folks that claim their day trading losses on a Schedule C. So an active, someone who goes out there and plays the stock market, basically. Trades, usually several in every day, and this can result in significant losses. Now, the IRS wants to look at these people to make sure that they are not just a regular investor and claiming investment losses improperly on the Schedule C. Right. So if you're day trading, then yeah, you have access to those losses. But if you're just a sad investor, you don't get to claim them, right? Right. If you're just investing <laughs> as, a, as a hobby or a sideline and uh, it's not your full-time activity, then it may be looked at. Okay. So the other uh, red flag is related to gambling. Oh, my. And that's failing to report your winnings or claiming that you have big losses from gambling. So I do know that many years ago, my aunt tracked all of her wins in gambling, and then she was also able to write off her losses. But again, that requires accounting for all of that. Yes. Under the old rules, a few years ago, you were able to offset your gambling losses against your winnings directly. 
But now they have separated it out so that the winnings are reported on the front of the 1040 and the losses go through your itemized deduction. So this can be a very limiting factor in terms of offsetting the two against each other. So another red flag is, which is interesting, is claiming the home office deduction. For many people, especially in today's world, a lot of people work from their home. And so what is it they're particularly looking for related to the home office deduction? What do they think people are doing or not doing? Mostly, they're looking at the home office deduction to make sure that they're running legitimate business expenses from there, that they're actually using it for a place of business, and that they do not have an alternative place such as a real estate office or other office where they can be doing that work. Well, and the other thing is, you know, again, we're talking about people who do things in excess. So I know people, which I've shared for a lot of years, you don't get to write off your entire house. Just because you work out of one room in your home does not make the entire home your principal place of business. That's right. There's only a percentage. There's a separate schedule, Form 8829, that we have to put the actual home expenses through to determine the percentage that applies to the business. Now, they do have a new deduction beginning in 2015 where you can you have a safe harbor so you can write up up to about $1500 without having to go through that exercise and without affecting the basis in your home when you sell it down the road. Ah, okay. So that's good news. All right, and the other and final red flag is engaging in currency transactions. So in other words, people who deal in a lot of cash. Most people know that, you know, anytime you deposit $10,000 in cash in your bank account, the bank notifies, I guess, the IRS, right? Because they want to start to track and figure out if there's money laundering. But I guess this would provide some scrutiny to the IRS, right, if you're engaged in, in large cash transactions. Yes. If you're involved in currency transactions of over $10,000, the IRS gets that report and often wants to look into what the transaction actually is to make sure that it's not a shady transaction. Right. right. And that everything's legitimate. Now, there are... Lots of legitimate transactions that require cash or are a cash deal, and that's okay. Just be prepared to answer those questions. You know, some just came into my mind because you think about, you know, certainly as our state steps into the opening of medical marijuana facilities and Colorado and some of the other states are already experiencing this where banks will not open a bank account for them, right? Because they're federal. And so I'm just curious and, you know, my, my thought just went out to like Al Capone who got caught for tax evasion, not because he, he hurt people, but in this regard, I wonder if this is going to be a, a zero right into the uh, IRS looking at every owner of a medical facility to start auditing those people, too, because they're going to be heavy cash. <laughs> well, that's a good question, and that's something to think about. But I understand that from people in that industry that 
there is much regulation on even the state level to monitor everything that comes into the business and everything that goes out of the business. It is difficult for them, I understand, to find a bank that will deal with them sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're just a lot more scrutiny in that industry overall. So the safeguards are already in place at the state level. So Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. But yeah. anyway, all right. So um, those were our 16 audit red flags. And now I want to move into uh, 2016 because any of the tax law changes that took effect uh, late December are now here. To, again, avoid trouble with the IRS, you need to know about those changes and, you know, have a means to start planning now. So, Wesley, let's let's talk about one of the biggest changes is related to the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, which affects individuals who choose not to get health insurance through government exchanges on their own or via their employers. There's a new nasty tax associated with that. Yes, in 2015, the penalty for not having minimum required coverage is now $285 per adult or 2% of income up to a maximum of $975 for a family. Now, the big shift is going to be in 2016 where the penalty will go up to $695 per adult or 2.5% of income and the maximum will be $2,085. So it's becoming quite significant and something that we can't very well ignore. Right. Yeah, I know it's a check the box. Do you have insurance or not? And you got to produce the whatever form shows up that says you do. It's not just about do you have a choice about getting health insurance? Now they're going to penalize you if you don't. Right. And there is more reporting that's happening. That's another change this year. In 2014, many individuals received Form 1095A, and that was from the Health Insurance Exchange. This year, almost everyone will receive a 1095. They've added 1095B and C, which is from the employers or from the group plans to show their coverage. Right. So almost everyone is now... They're on the mailing list. Yes. (laughs) Okay, got it. One of the other things, and and maybe you can share some of the other changes for 2016, but there was an actual positive change related to businesses, and that has to do with our filing deadlines. Yes, this year. So we gain a month. Right, Uh uh-huh. Most organizations that are not C-corporations, of course, S-corps, LLCs, anyone that has a December year-end is still required to file by March 15th, but there was some changes related to how long our extensions last as well. Right. Those last a period of six months from March 15th. Um, It's been the case for corporations for some time now and also for partnerships. The idea was that many tax firms were faced with the situation of having a same-day deadline for both the extensions and for the 1040s. So this made it very difficult to coordinate with getting all the K-1s, which are 
from S corporations or other entities in time to put in for the 1040 deadline. Ah, okay. So somebody was paying attention to there's a bigger problem than you think, and so we're going to create that extension. What are some of the other tax changes or or law changes that, you know, maybe we should be aware of for 2016? I'm going to pick up with you on that when we come back because I know there is some other things that I, as a business owner, should be thinking about and planning for. Stick with us. I'll be right back. This is Mike Fossey from Fort Collins, Colorado in Reno, Nevada. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she gave me the opportunity to promote the Civil Air Patrol and Honor Flight. Sherry Hill is the wealth protection diva. Sage International Incorporated fosters the entrepreneurial spirit by first educating our clients. In fact, we wrote the best-selling book, Incorporate and Get Rich, as recommended by Robert Kiyosaki in his bestseller, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. For over 20 years, we've taught thousands of business owners, investors, professionals, and entrepreneurs how to properly structure their business and personal assets to avoid the three flaming arrows of challenge, income taxes, liability exposure, probate and death taxes. Call Sage International Incorporated at 1-800-254-5779 to set up a free 30-minute consultation. That's 1-800-254-5779. Sage International. So, you're thinking about buying investment real estate. Getting the right mortgage is a critical part of your decision. This is Lou Carr, branch manager of Summit Funding in Sparks, Nevada. With today's extremely affordable mortgage interest rates, you have the opportunity to step into what could be the best investment purchase you'll ever make. How do you go about it? First, get pre-approved with a mortgage lender like Summit Funding. Then, find the right property at the right price. Summit Funding is ready to talk with you about getting a mortgage to purchase real estate. Visit summitfunding.net slash L-C-A-R-R. That's S-U-M-M-I-T-F-U-N-D-I-N-G dot net forward slash L-C-A-R. Or call 775-626-0775. For personal service, this is Lou Carr from Summit Funding, NMLS number 258750, NMLS number 3199, and NMLS number 1042857. Thank you. Summit Funding Incorporated is located at 5931 Los Altos Parkway, Suite 105, Sparks, Nevada, 89436. This is Jeanette K. Bells, president of J.K. Bells & Associates. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she connects you to informative people in your community. High-level thinkers listen to The Sherry Hill Radio Show. If you have comments about today's show or any questions, please email sherry at sherryhillshow.com. Hard to believe that I would get excited about talking about taxes. And the only reason I get excited about talking about taxes because I teach and help people really learn how to ev- avoid tax, not evade, avoid 
taxes. I'm a huge believer that you have every right to pay your fair share and only your fair share. So, beginning of the 2016, we want to talk about tax law changes and how that's going to affect the great folks of the state of Nevada. And one of those, which we've been talking about you know, related to the Affordable Care Act. Of course, my guest, Wesley Smith, is the president and owner of AAA Tax Planning. So, Wesley, you know, kind of finish up on, you know, what are some of the other things that folks can expect? You were talking about that certain deductions or whatever, what we're going to pay. Is our tax increasing or decreasing? Am I going to pay more in tax or less in tax? The actual tax tables themselves are changing, but just very slightly. Uh, they're rising slightly, but uh, and also other areas like standard deductions for head of household filers goes up a little bit. Personal exemptions goes up a little bit. But uh, another area that has some change is that contributions for health savings accounts are going up. Now, this is a great idea for those people who have medical expenses where you can set up a health savings account to pre-fund your medical expenses, and this will allow you to have first dollar tax deductions rather than go through the itemization. Yes. I. You know what? I just set one up okay. because I looked at all my options under the Affordable Care Act and, you know, insurance premiums and all of that. And one of the best um, things that I was made aware of is this opportunity for a health savings account, which is a pre-tax. It's pre-tax dollars coming off my paycheck, right? Exactly. And then it goes into this account and I get a little debit card. And when I need to pay those co-pays or different, I mean, there are certainly criteria of what I can use it for, but I was blown away because I didn't really realize that was available. Yes, this is a very great tax advantage for anyone that's incurring out-of-pocket medical expenses. And by the way, if you pre-fund the health savings account and you don't end up using all of it, it rolls over to the next year and there's no penalty for doing that. So whatever you don't use in this year, you can It's use not a use or lose. Correct. And it right. can earn interest. Right. <laughs> yes. So it's a good savings program that, yes, you have to use it towards medical expenses. But again, I might not have any this year. I might not have any next year. But by year three, who knows? I could go skiing and break my knee. <laughs> right. The key is to get the funding in place before you need it. All so right. The other, of course, tax which is going to affect everyone in the state of Nevada is the commerce tax, which became law in July 2015. And for those that know nothing about the commerce tax, you need to go out to the Nevada Department of Taxation. But for those that do, the first tax return, everybody's tax return to the state of Nevada will be due August 15. Okay, so August 15th, you have got to calculate from July through the August of next year, so it's a it's an odd fiscal year as most businesses are January through December. All of us now have to calculate from July through so it must be June 30th through July 31st to be able to pay on August 15th. And that means that 
the commerce tax is for everybody that earns. You have to file a return whether you think you owe the tax or not, and the tax becomes effective if you gross four million or more. Now, of course, there are calculations and based on your industry and all of that, but I would encourage people to go figure that out because it's going to come faster than you think. So as business folks are reaching out to you now, Wesley, to talk about their federal tax return, because that's all we've ever had to deal with here, are you starting to have conversations around some of the things they need to be thinking about related to the commerce tax? Yes, that's a good point for every small business to be considering. It may or may not affect you, but you need to be prepared to not only file the tax return, but comply with the requirements as well. It's always better to to know this in advance than try to play catch up after the fact. And we've been talking about the IRS auditing. Now we have the, uh, the state who can potentially become an audit force because Eric's, they have to collect all the data. So in order to collect data means you have to file a form. If you don't file the form, guess what? They're going to find you. Right. They're going to find you, and there will probably be penalties by that time as well. I know this year there's some grace period because they got to get everybody, you know, tuned into the reality of it, but then I'm sure that will diminish quite rapidly. So those are some of the things that people need to be thinking about as far as this year. Of course, you know, we're still living as far as filing our taxes for 2015. One of the other things that I do know that changed for this year is the Section 179, which is being able to buy equipment or vehicles, which used to go up and down every year, but they finally made it so that it's this going to be the same. It's not going to change. Right. They made the temporary extensions, extender legislation that was going on for several years now, they made that a permanent uh, situation so that at least we know where we stand when it comes to Section 179. Right. So it's $500,000 that I can buy a piece of equipment or capitalize a new building, whatever it is, where before it became really hard for any planning because you as the the financial guru for a business didn't know to tell somebody, yeah, buy that piece of equipment or don't buy that piece of equipment because we don't know if the standard deduction is going to go up or not. So that that's good news for business. Yes. With the extender legislation, sometimes Congress was not even passing the bill until the first days of the new year or even a month into the new year. So this made it very hard for tax planning. And there's a lot of guesswork. For example, farmers in the Midwest who have to buy large-scale farm equipment have to make that decision months in advance so that they can order the properly specified equipment. It takes time to produce that and to get it into place. So now they have an advantage because now we know at least that piece is going to be the same for a while, we hope. $500,000, which is, you know, that's, that's not chump change. So that should invigorate some business in America. Anything else that you are aware of that I'm certainly not aware of related to good things or things that we should be thinking about for this year? Well, what I recommend considering for anyone who has their own business is to 
make sure that you have adequate protections in place. For example, setting up a liability, limited liability company can often be not only an advantage from protecting those assets, but also some tax advantages as well. So I advise anyone in that situation to seek out good tax advice to make sure that you have the best advantages in place. And also, there are, are some nice uh, retirement planning vehicles, such as SEP IRAs and Roth IRAs, which can deliver significant tax advantages over time as well. Well, one of the things I've noticed is uh, clients that I've been dealing with just of late, really this year, a lot of young people, they're making a lot of money. They have these interesting businesses that a lot of cash, not a lot of competition all over the country. One of the first questions I ask them is because, of course, they're trying to reduce their taxes. What are you doing for retirement? I mean, we're not talking about a couple of thousand dollars. We're talking about you can sock away a lot of money in a retirement plan through your business to really reduce your taxes. Oh, yes. You can sock away even up to $50,000 in some of the retirement plans. You should really discuss that with a qualified retirement planning professional to look at all the different options that you have, both on a tax-deferred and a tax-free basis as well. There are significant differences in the definitions of the plan, the performance over time, and the overall tax results that you will get. Part of their hesitation is because they're young, and they're like, wait a minute, i got to put all that away and wait till I'm 59 and a half before I can have it again? And, of course, looking at the roller coaster ride of Wall Street and everything else, people aren't as excited about some of these traditional retirement plans. But at this point, other than investing in real estate or another business or gold, silver, coins, liquidity, I mean, you know, this is what we have. So they should take advantage of of what is available. There are significant advantages to some of these plans. And while many people who are, like you say, newer in business may not at first like the idea of putting this money away, I suspect that around April 15th, when they see how much they have to pay in terms of their regular tax bill, this may change some minds. Yes. Well, that's the goal. And that's why you talk to a a tax professional like Wesley Smith, who is president of AAA Tax Planning and who I'm having this conversation with today. I want to talk just a little bit, different track related to accounting and your business. We'll be right back. This is Leah Cartwright, Government Relations Manager at J.K. Bells & Associates. You are listening to the Sherry Hill Radio Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she has the ideas that make Reno work. The millennial generation gets great ideas from the Sherry Hill Radio Show. Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own? Or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? Well, first, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should? Like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes. 
For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put the proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started on the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. Buying investment real estate is a big decision. Getting the right mortgage is critical. This is Michelle Holbert, NMLS 184194 and MLB 3723 from Caliber Home Loans. With today's extremely affordable mortgage interest rates, you have the opportunity to step into what could be your best investment purchase of a lifetime. When you find the right property at the right price, you'll need to be pre-approved for your mortgage to lock in your deal with the seller. Caliber Home Loans is ready to talk with you about getting a mortgage to purchase real estate. Visit www.michelleholbert.com, and that's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-H-U-L-B-E-R-T.com, or call 775-284-1922. This is Michelle Holbert from Caliber Home Loans. Thank you. Caliber Home Loans, located at 6530 South McCarran Boulevard, Reno, Nevada, 89509. Hello, this is Matt Westfield, founder director of Entrepreneurs Assembly. This is John Moran, executive director of the Entrepreneurs Assembly. We are on the Sherry Hill Show next weekend, Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 8 a.m. on 99.1 FM Talk. Sherry and I will talk about really being serious about starting a business. Sherry and I will be talking about educating, empowering entrepreneurs in business creation and growth. This is one radio show that you won't want to miss if you're a serious entrepreneur. Success-oriented people listen to Sherry Hill. If you missed any part of today's show and would like to listen to the podcast, please visit SherryHillShow.com. Most businesses fail because of lack of good financial management. Effective accounting, planning, and control may mean the difference between the success and failure of your business. What does this have to do with hiring a good accountant? A good small business accountant can mean the difference between the success and failure of your business. Too many business owners view accounting as a necessary evil and largely a part of overhead of the firm. They try to minimize the cost of the accounting function of the business, this is a mistake. And why I invited my guest, Wesley Smith, CPA and founder of AAA Tax Planning LLC based in Reno. And so Wesley, I don't think a lot of business owners really understand the difference between financial and managerial accounting. And so most people are familiar with the fact that, you know, we've got to have P&Ls, we've got to have balance sheets which that's financial accounting. Talk about the difference you as a tax planner that works with business owners move them to thinking through managerial accounting. What does that look like? Well, from the very start of my company, I felt that in getting involved in doing tax work, I want to help people to improve their bottom line. One of the questions I have for the people early in business is why pay the maximum tax rates in the country of 42% as a Schedule C filer when there are much better ways to operate your business? I've always looked for ways that can impact this bottom line and make a difference in the outcome, the, the amount of tax you pay, and to help you make more informed and smarter business decisions 
so that you can survive those first few years and reach a point where you can grow your company and become much more stable. As businesses evolve and time moves on, we're conditioned to got to produce these financial statements that are all historical. That's all historical. And I have never been in the same month with my financials because my bookkeeper is always like a month or two behind. So I have to operate more from really understanding cash flow, what is my cash position, budgeting, and that's what I'm talking about with managerial accounting. I worked with a small contractor the other day involved in one of the trades who was getting behind on his taxes. In looking at his operational results, we determined that his pricing had to be adjusted. He was getting into the habit of bidding the jobs in a way that would cover the immediate costs that he incurred, but were not adequate to cover his overhead and other costs of doing business. So each entrepreneur needs to be aware of what it takes to secure a bottom line, not just to cover the direct costs of each job they incur. And adjustments need to happen along the way. It's a lot more difficult to find this out after the fact when perhaps your taxes or other expenses are getting out of control than to know this going in. People use the terms break even or, you know, covering your overhead and things like that. And of course, part of what I'm sure you helped him understand is is decision making. Because when you decided today to bid that job at dollar amount X, now you have to think through it's not just what's going to occur in the next week or two or what, what, three months from now. You know, as a business grows, it's tempting to, for example, move into a larger office ex- space or to perhaps upgrade your equipment or vehicles. And sometimes that's done too soon if you're not looking at the whole picture. The margin you're making on each of these projects and the jobs as you go forward has to be enough to cover the entire expense, or you'll find that you will reach a point where you have to make the decision to downsize. And that's always something that is to be avoided. Well, it's, it's more painful and more right. costly, right? I mean, to, right. to grow and then to shrink is costs a lot more money than really looking at your key metrics or your measurements to know is your cash, what's your cash position today. And, you know, I speak from personal experience. This is something I learned the very hard way. Now I have different procedures in place. I have different ways to analyze what my cash position, because cash is king. doesn't matter how much furniture I have or how much equipment, or it's cash. Right, exactly. And in, in today's market, I think entrepreneurs should be looking at not only today, but tomorrow in terms of how much growth do you need to secure enough of a market segment that will, you know, just more or less justify your position and find a way through all the new industry coming to town to grow the business and to be ready for tomorrow's market as well. But to grow at a pace that you can manage and handle. And so I'm sure as someone who works with a lot of business owners, I mean, that's more of the conversation I think you would be having than let's make sure you have your P&Ls and your balance sheets. Again, those are historical documents. That doesn't tell me where I'm at. 
today, in this moment? Where do you want to be a year from now or two years from now? And and how do you match and, and determine that you're going to have the client base? You must get into some of that. Who are your clients? How do you know these people are going to continue to pay you and help you grow your company? Right. Well, I do have contractors in the area who are looking at that growth factor and they have to be smart about their business and not reach too far and try to grow too fast. So there's a moderate level of growth that is wise and prudent given the market conditions and given what your experience has been. You also want to weed out the different factors in your bidding process. I was talking to him about this as well the other day and how in growing you want to make sure that the additional work you're taking on is quality bids. So quality companies, you know, you don't want to get in a situation where you're overreaching and then something may go sideways in the process. Like that person didn't pay you? <laughs> Correct. Right. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, those are a lot of factors that, oddly enough, people, you know, they get excited about the fact that there's jobs, there's work, there's, you know, a demand for services, and they get kind of myopic about that. And they never really think about the backside, the what if this particular big company doesn't pay this invoice? Or what if the person that I have hired and invested a lot of training into to perform this particular position that we're going to grow our business on leaves the company? So, I mean, I imagine that some of the conversation you, from that 30,000 aerial foot view, question. Yes, it can often be a caution flag to make sure that the steps you're taking are really going to grow the company and not incur things that will sort of gum up the gears and slow things down. You can hear in the tone of my voice, I get excited about talking about business. I get excited about helping people reduce their taxes. And I want to make sure that folks know that there's a difference between a good accountant and a great accountant. And that it's important to align yourselves with people who are asking those tough questions and who are making sure that you're on track, not just financially, but with all your resources so that you effectively grow your business. So Wesley Smith, who is a CPA and founder of AAA Tax Planning LLC, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, where would you like them to go? Yes, my direct number is 870-2085. You can also review my website. It's taxaccountantseattle.com. Thank you for being here and sharing with us today. The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show and tune in next week, same time, same station for the Sherry Hill Show.